When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And as you know, together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we are again gathering around the virtual campfire to bring you some exciting tales of previous trips. Jim, I'm sitting in my camp chair in my closet. I got a lap blanket going. I'm feeling ready for this. I'm feeling decidedly less campy in a sweatshirt, sweatpants, <laughs> sitting on a milk crate. But at least I've got a camping-ish hat on, Jamie. So one step in the right direction. <laughs> well, I think, you know, no matter how you get ready for your virtual campfire tales, we've got some good ones for you today. We are going to be discussing one of my favorite topics of conversation when it comes to outdoors, and that is animals. Ooh, not bad. And Jamie, before we get there... I'm excited for your story. I have an idea of what it is already, and we've specifically not talked about it before because we wanted to save it for the podcast. But remind folks, what are we doing here? What are these campfire stories? This is a way for us to kind of keep things going amidst the coronavirus outbreak that has us sitting at home. It seemed like a great opportunity to go back over through some of our favorite adventures from previous travels. And the plan is to bring on some stories from you all. From listeners. So we have a podcast hotline set up for people to call in some stories of their own. So you can call that number at 503-221-4345 and record a voice message for us. Or you can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to podcasts, that's with an S, at oregonian.com. And we're asking people to keep it Fairly short, in about three minutes or less, and we will hopefully put some on the podcast in a future episode. We got to like come up with a jingle for our podcast hotline. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we're hoping to gather some stories from you all, stories that you might tell around the campfire, whatever it might be, an epic trip, cool brush with some wildlife, you name it. Want to hear from you for sure. But Jamie, for now, guess all we've got is each other. What do you got for me? Okay, so my story comes from back before I moved back to Oregon. This is when I was living out in Idaho, in southeast Idaho, in Pocatello, back in around 2012, 2011, around there. And I was just starting to get back into 
hiking or even to get into hiking at all because I didn't grow up as a very outdoorsy person. My family wasn't really either. So when I was in Idaho, I was just learning about you know hiking and wildlife and the forest and all of that. So I went along with a friend of mine named Chris, along with a woman I was dating at the time, Brittany. And the three of us decided to go off and take a day hike into the hills that are just outside of town in Pocatello. And Chris is one of these guys, he's he's a character. Like a lot of people in Idaho are. He's, you know, very much survivalist. He's got all kinds of like, you know, old costumes and old army fatigues. He's the kind of guy who would have like World War II era berets. And then he'd have like, you know, handmade Roman sandals, right? With like the leather and like the brass <laughs> and all of that. He did everything. So when he showed up, he'd be wearing something different. It was great. I don't remember what he wore that day. I thought you were going to pull out some crazy outfit that he was rocking. I couldn't keep him straight. It was That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he decided to take us up to a place that he knew from growing up in the area, which was up these really steep hills through the forest to an old fire lookout that he used to be stationed at when he was a young man. And he told all kinds of stories about, you know, taking girls up there and, you know, having parties up there and that kind of stuff. But we, you know, are just hiking through the woods. Again, like I said, the hills are just incredibly steep, probably on what's an old, you know, forest road. And as we're hiking, Chris just immediately stops us and he goes, stop, stop, stop. And he ushers us in off the trail into the woods. And we're like, what's going on? What's the deal? He's one of these guys who he knows his way around the wilderness. He's got stories Mm -hmm. about run-ins with bears and living in the woods for a year and all this stuff. So when he stopped us in the trail, I'm like, okay, this is pretty serious. I'm going to take his word for whatever's going on. And we're sitting there crouched in the brush. And he says, look over there. You can see there are two male moose just sitting there right off the trail. And my heart immediately started racing. Jim, I don't know how familiar you are with the dangers of moose. Not super familiar. So enlighten me. As I understand it, the deal with moose is that they don't see very well. So when they perceive a threat of any kind, their go-to move is just to put their heads down and charge whatever that is. My gosh, you do not want to be on the other end of that. No, no. If you haven't seen a moose in person, not in the wild or whether it's in a zoo, they're humongous creatures. And the males, especially when they have those big antlers, yeah, they're not something you want to be around. So the fact that there were two of them, they were juveniles, Chris said. They weren't as big as they could be, but they were still huge. And in his hushed whispers, he said, when I tell you to run, you need to run, okay? And we're just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. He's like, all right. And then he stepped out of the brush and walked up down the trail and stood in front of the moose in this clearing. And I'm like, Jesus, what is he doing? (laughs) Is he out of his mind? And he started talking to the moose. He puts his arms out and he says, look, we just want to walk by. We don't want any trouble. And either you're going to let us do that or you're not. But just let us know either way so we can make a decision here. Just really calmly talking to the moose. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) is this? On one hand, it seemed completely irrational. But on another hand, it seemed entirely reasonable. How else are you going to try to reason with a moose other than by going out there and talking to it? So we're crouched in the brush and he's standing there and it was probably only 30 seconds or a minute, but it felt like an hour we were sitting there waiting for these moose to make up their minds as to what they were going to do. <laughs> and eventually they just kind of, as they're sitting there eating you know, the brush, eating the, the trees, they just kind of turned their heads and walked the other way real calmly. And Chris came back out and he said, all right, come on, come on. 
and we kind of scurried out of there as quick as we could. Kept going down the trail, made it up to the top to the fire lookout and had a beautiful view of town. But every second after that, as I was walking that trail, I kept looking out for every kind of movement in the brush. You know, is Mm -hmm. it a moose? Is it something else? What's going on over there? I've never had another run-in with a moose since then, but I'll tell you, I will never forget the sight of those two enormous creatures and the feeling I had knowing that they could easily kill me if they just felt the slightest bit afraid. Wow. What a story, Jamie. I didn't expect when you said he just kind of started to reason with them. I didn't expect that turn at all, quite frankly. Yeah. Who does? (laughs) So I have only ever, I think, had one encounter with a moose, and it was in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming, coming down from a hike and was in an area very kind of well-trod, a busy spot near a popular lake. And at least I think it was a, a pretty generally busy area. And there were just either one moose or two moose just hanging out right where a couple of trails came together. And I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to let you do you, and I'm going to keep my distance <laughs> yeah. and interact with you in the least possible amount, I suppose. I just want to recognize you and kind of be able to marvel at you from afar. And that's it, I think. That's all I want. And that's a good rule of thumb for pretty much all wildlife we encounter, whether it's you know a moose or an elk or a ram or a grouse, you know? to try to interact with them as little as possible and respect that these animals live here. Don't go messing with any wildlife. Well, it just sounds like a heck of an encounter, honestly, and I'm glad that it didn't end with any kind of real disruption for either the moose in their natural habitat or for yourself on the trip that you were trying to take. Everyone won, basically. Exactly. We really got the best of both worlds there. So, Jim, I want to hear about one of your favorite animal adventures. But I think first we should take a really quick break. All right, folks, we are back talking about more campfire tales and wild animal encounters that we've had. Jim, I know that you have had some experiences with animals your own self, and I want to hear about one of your favorite encounters you've had. Yeah, so we're going to go way back in the Ryan family archives for this one. I don't I don't know exactly how far back, but one of the ways that I was introduced, Jamie, to the outdoors, one of the main ways, really, I was introduced to the outdoors was through going on camping trips as a little kid. So mom, dad, and my two brothers and I, I'm the oldest of three boys, would load up first in you know, like what a pop-up camper is? Sure. One of you know the small ones that you literally, at least in our day, had to crank up and then pop out, as the name would suggest. And then later in a, a little bit bigger of a tow-behind trailer. We would go to state parks or a KOA campground or something like that. And we picked for a particular excursion when I was a kid. I, I don't remember how old I was, but definitely not a teenager. Picked a spot called Muscalunge Lake State Park, which is way up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Not far from uh, the border uh, of Canada here. I'm looking on Google Maps and about as high up in Michigan as you can go in the upper peninsula nearly the tip top though not quite so muscalunge lake a nice family state park where we could have a good good weekend as a family we'd bring bikes we'd bring rollerblades we would bring every kind of food you could ever want for a camping trip go hiking you name it swimming definitely 
all the above. I think we even brought fishing poles for this one. What lake is that on, Jim? It is on Lake Superior and, as the moniker would suggest, Muskellunge Lake. Obviously, I, I don't remember this perfectly. I was a child. But the state park is situated smack dab between Superior and Muskellunge Lake. So a pretty perfect locale for a family vacation. So as any family would, we had our day full of fun and set up one of the nights we were there for a campfire. And Jamie, I don't know about you, especially as a kid, and if I can now, I want to make some s'mores. Oh, yeah. While I'm around the campfire. Gotta have it. That just seems like a given. I wish I had some right now. Maybe we need to work on that for a future episode. It's probably a little crunchy for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it crumbs in my closet. I don't know about that. No, that's not good. That's not good. The last thing you need is crumbs in the closet here. Seriously. So we're whipping up some s'mores. And I can picture this so vividly now. We had, probably still have at home, these green Rubbermaid tubs that we would use to pack a bunch of our things. So you'd put a football, a soccer ball, a basketball, whatever you wanted for the camping trip. You'd toss in these big Rubbermaid bins. And they would double as kind of a camp table or whatever when you're around the campfire. So we were laying out all of our supplies and just minding our own when we see a set of beady eyes in the forest or in the woods right next to our campsite. <laughs> oh, no. And it doesn't look like a big animal. And we can identify it pretty quickly as a raccoon sitting there just kind of eyeing us. And, Jamie, I'm sure you've been in the situation where, you know, in a state park or an area where animals are used to having people around, they're not super afraid of your presence, right? No. Some animals might not be. And this raccoon's just kind of eyeing us. And I don't remember if, if the raccoon was getting closer or for whatever reason, but my parents were like, you guys, maybe go stand under the awning near the camper. I think the whole group of us went back over near the camper and we watch as this raccoon scampers into our campsite, grabs our bag of marshmallows <laughs> no. and runs back into the woods. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, those are our marshmallows. How are we going to do some mores? And we come out and we're like, oh, we're going to check you out, see what you're up to. And you can see the raccoon there with its paws in the bag of marshmallows you know, holding it just like at the ready. And I think it was my dad, one of my parents captured a photo of this raccoon, you know, just glowing in the distance. Maybe not glowing, <laughs> that's not the right word, but out in the distance in the woods with our bag of marshmallows. And, you know, okay, our trip can go on, whatever. It's not the end of the world, even with three kids, if you can't have your s'mores. Who knows, we might have even had a s'more or two at that point in the night. But how the story lives on is that my mother is a preschool teacher. She has a class full of four-year-olds, and she likes to do some lessons about camping and the outdoors. And every year, she loves to tell this story. And we have kind of played it up where this raccoon has a name. And it's Morty the Marshmallow Stealer. <laughs> That's adorable. And my mom's able to just hold these kids just absolutely wrapped by this story. They can't believe it. Morty came into the campsite and stole the marshmallows and ran into the woods. And the kids just love it. I guess what the upshot of the story is, is although we probably missed out on some s'mores that trip, this animal encounter is one way that my mom introduces kids to kind of the beauty of the outdoors, I think, every year. 
And, you know, it's not a hardcore story or a story that's really wowing, but it's kind of nice and wholesome and helps kids appreciate nature and the world around them, I think. And it's just pretty funny. So, yeah, Morty the Marshmallow Stealer. I love that, Jim. A Ryan family classic. I love that because it's a situation, I feel like, where a lot of kids would maybe lose their love of the outdoors because of that. Where a raccoon's coming and stealing the one thing that maybe they were looking forward to, s'mores, and maybe being frightening to them. And I love that you have seemed to gain a love of the outdoors from it, and that all these kids, through your mom are gaining a love of the outdoors through what could be a a frightening and scary situation for a kid. Yeah, I mean, to me, the upshot is just the fact that all these kids love this story. You know, when she tells this, they are just totally enraptured, think it's just whatever they think it is. I don't know, crazy, hilarious, funny, whatever. And if that inspires any kid to want to be like, hey, I want to go camping, or I want to see a raccoon, or I just want to play outside— I think that's a really positive thing, right? And I'm not going to lie and say that it, like, inspired me to pursue a life of outdoor wanderings because it didn't. It was just kind of a one-off thing. But the fact that it has life in kind of introducing kids to the outdoors, I think, is a really cool part of the story. Absolutely. And you know what? Good for Morty. That You know, our guy got a whole bag of marshmallows to himself. I I hope he was okay after eating however many he ate because even though his stomach, I don't think, can handle that many marshmallows but good for him for making it happen yeah i mean he was a brazen creature clearly came into a campsite spied what he wanted and got after it so in that way i commend him good work morty also yeah a bag of marshmallows is not good for anyone's stomach (laughs) i would say anyhow jamie morty the marshmallow stealer makes his peak northwest debut maybe he'll feature in a future episode as well but i'll make sure to include that photo if i can track it down in the show notes because it's a pretty classic one i gotta say please do please do i'd love to see that and i i love we had moose we had raccoon i feel like there's so many other animal stories as we're talking like i'm just hearing so many more kind of jumble through my memory that I know that there's more out there that we could do. And I know that there's more out there that some of our listeners have that could make some really interesting campfire stories on future episodes. So, Jim, can you remind folks how they can submit their own stories? For sure. So if you have anything that comes to mind, try to keep it to, you know, about three minutes or less. And you can submit it to us one of two ways. You can send your campfire story to us by recording a voice memo on your phone and emailing it to podcasts with an S at Oregonian.com or call the podcast hotline, as we'd like to call it, at 503-221-4345. Again, 503-221-4345. And let us know. We're hoping to get a couple of these stories and feature them on a future episode. Yeah, I think we do need a jingle for that hotline. I don't know what it is, though. Isn't there a song called Hotline Bling? Is that a thing? There, You know, neither of us are the go-to pop culture aficionados, but I can confirm there is a song. Well, <laughs> let, let me look it up. Hotline. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear me typing. Hotline Bling is a song by Drake. There we go. Yeah. So do you know how it goes, Jim? I mean, can you like sing a little bit of it for us? You know, Jamie, you're not going <laughs> to... <laughs> you're not going to bait me into that. I'm sorry to say. Well, I had to try. <sighs> You had to try, and it was a valiant effort at that, but (laughs) 
you're not going to get me to do any singing on the podcast, at least this week. Maybe we'll find a way to incorporate some singing into a future episode. I don't think we should, actually. Break out the uh, the guitars around the campfire, you know? Okay. All right. Maybe we can find a way to make it work. But I have uh, my musical ability is, let's just say, lacking. So that's not a component of my regular campfire action there. I will say if any listeners have like good campfire songs that you want to record, I think that would be a great thing to accept as well as stories. Basically, anything that you think would be fun for a future episode of the podcast, send it our way. It should be great. And if it's not, we won't use it. But I'm excited to hear what we come up with. Well, Jim, I think in the meantime, it is time for us to wrap things up for today. Yeah, I'd say so. So until next time, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Dave Killen. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. I'm Andrew Thien, the host of Beat Check with the Oregonian. Join me every week for a look at some of Oregon's biggest stories with the reporters who know them best. Subscribe to Beat Check anywhere you get your podcasts to hear the latest episodes.